When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Show two of the day, but the topic remains the same because the San Francisco 49ers are headed to the Super Bowl. Second one under the Shanahan era, first in the Brock Purdy era, but a lot to discuss because they are having a rematch with the Kansas City Chiefs. I've got my man Vish Kumaran here with me. We're going to be breaking it down all after this. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the program on this fun Wednesday evening. I'm here with my guy, Vish Kumaran. How you doing, man? I'm good. How are you, Rohan? It's been a while. We've been trying to set this stream up also for a while, and we finally got it to work. I'm excited. Yeah, no, it's been a great, uh, you know, couple of weeks. 49ers obviously progressing through the playoffs in a interesting way, but now we've got, uh, you know, ourselves into a Super Bowl and... Let's just start there. I mean, you're here in the 40. I mean, you're watching the 49ers on their way to the Super Bowl. Talk to me real quick about your emotions through that Lions game, the way that you thought that that one was going to progress, the way it turned out, and the Niners ultimately going to a Super Bowl. Yeah. So obviously, I'm excited that the 49ers went to a go to a Super Bowl. I think um, a lot of people are aware. I'm a big 49ers fan. I think a lot of my uh, emotions throughout the week are tied to how well the 49ers are doing in that week especially during football season so there's been a lot of happy weeks the last few years um I thought the Niners would be quite dominant in that game coming into that game I just felt like they were due and I thought if certain things went their way in that matchup they could really stomp the Lions now they did do that for a half but the game played nowhere near to what I thought um, my emotions were I constantly thought that they were going to win that game. I just felt like there was no way that they could end up losing to the Lions. But when they're down 24-7, it was almost like, holy cow, like, where is this thing going? Are they going to be able to come back? And I, I was describing this to Rob on Monday um, when I did my show with him. And it, it's the first time, Rohan, I don't know if you felt this, but I've watched like New England, for example, play for years. And it's not just that New England was excellent, but I'd feel like, man, like, Whenever things needed to go right for them in a playoff game, like it just goes right. There's just a fortuitous run of events that allows them to win a game. And Brandon Ayuk said it best with the ladybug on his sh- landing on his shoe. I've never seen that situation for the 49ers where they are not in their favor. Right. It's not just that they go on this excellent comeback. They do it in basically half a quarter because a couple of events just go right, go right, right? Like the Brandon Ayuk deflection, Vildor makes an excellent play in cover two invert. To stay on top of Ayuk on the post, it's an unbelievable play, and he drops it right to Ayuk, who makes an incredible catch. And then right after that, Jameer Gibbs, who in that first half looked pretty unstoppable, runs the wrong way on a run play, and I I still think, look, I think Gibson's a good player. 
I don't think he like meant to reach over and knock that ball out. I think it was inadvertent and his hand kind of hit the ball. I mean, whatever it was, he not forced the fumble ball bounces right to Eric Armstead. It felt meant to be, it felt meant to be. And I haven't felt like that with the Niners. I mean, it's just the way that the events kind of just stacked up one upon another. You know, it starts with really, really started with that fourth down stop. The Lions obviously choosing to go for it rather than go up three scores. They get a, I mean, Josh Reynolds drops, drops a ball. Uh, and then after that, you, you get the, the huge play to Brandon Ayuk. You then get that with the fumble. Suddenly, one touchdown drive later, it is 24 to 24 after it seemed like the 49ers were on their way out in their own stadium at halftime. And so, yeah, you're right. It's like the turn of events, the second that things started to click, there was a a semblance of hope in the the arena. But obviously, there's two portions to this. One, 49ers are coming back. You know, this, this part about them where they have had the narrative where Kyle Shanahan, Brock Purdy, have struggled to come back in close games. Remind you, every single win for the 49ers apart from week two against the Rams, double digits. Every loss, I mean, it was a game where they were right in it, and then they they let it go at the end. So what do you kind of think about that narrative overall, and how do you think that that demonstrated in this game with the way that they played yeah, look, I I am one of those people that felt like they needed uh, to win games like that. I'm not saying that them stomping on opponents throughout the season wasn't excellent, wasn't good to see, but you do need to see teams win close games. And the 49ers losing all the close games they participated in was kind of nerve-wracking. So I think it's been good to see them win this way. I think that it's shown that this team has a different level of football character. It's shown Purdy's poise that no matter how the score gets down, and in the playoffs, a lot of people look at it as well. You know, you're not going up against the highest level defense in Detroit. They weren't the best defense in the NFL in the regular season. Neither was Green Bay. But when you add the additional pressure of the moment, the fact that the 49ers season was going to be a failure, essentially if they had lost to Green Bay or Detroit, right? We would have come out the next Monday and called their season a failure. And so when you add that pressure on there too, For him to play the way he did, I thought was mighty impressive. The fact that he maintains his poise throughout them losing to me is mighty impressive. Um, I think there is a difference, though, in this game, because I don't know that this game script that they've played in the last two games will be favorable versus this team. Now, I think they can win a game like this. They've proven that the last two weeks. They've proven they can win any style of game by winning those two games the last couple weeks. Right. There's no doubt about that. But versus the Chiefs, especially this iteration of the Chiefs team, which seems so reliant on getting ahead in games, winning games with their defense, running the football with their mauling interior offensive line and Isaiah Pacheco. And then Mahomes kind of does the greatest, you know, game manager act we've ever seen. Right. Like he is really just managing the game for them in the playoffs. He's doing it without making a mistake at a high level. Like there's nothing wrong with managing the game, even though. It's got a, a derogatory connotation. He is really just managing the game for them as an at an excellent level. So I think that this game, it's more imperative that they jump out and they're aggressive against the Chiefs early because this Chiefs team is not as talented as them, but they can play with the lead. 
And they can play with the lead because their defense is very good and their quarterback manages the game excellently. So I'm very impressed the fact that they've won this style of game the last two weeks, Rohan. But I don't anticipate that being the style if they finish the Chiefs and win the Super Bowl because I do think they have a lot of advantages in this game. But that particular game script favors the Chiefs. I like the points you bring up, you know, because you're right. This isn't something San Francisco has been known for. And in fact, they've kind of been on the opposite side of the spectrum where they've gotten out to leads in games before and unfortunately haven't, uh, you know, followed through with them sometimes, especially, you know, you talk about that 2019 Super Bowl. I want to ask you a question, though, before I move on to the Chiefs about the 49ers. And it's one my guy Marco asked me. We had differing opinions. I want to hear yours. Do you think, are, are you? disappointed in any way or not maybe disappointed but maybe discouraged in any way in how the 49ers have played in the playoffs because obviously while the comebacks have been impressive there's also been the struggles in the first half is there any disappointment or discouragement on your side for the way that they've played yeah first shout out to marco i see him in the chat here as well um am i discouraged with how they've played I don't think discourage is the right word because I think winning a playoff game in any capacity is difficult in the NFL. So I'm not discouraged when a team is winning playoff games. Um, Am I surprised by how they've played a little bit because it's been the antithesis of who they've been, right? The last couple of games have been them relying on the fact that they're playing these young teams. They're a veteran team. They have played in the playoffs the last two, three years extensively, right? They'd been to three NFC Championship games before Sunday's NFC Championship game in the last five years. They This is their second Super Bowl in the last five years. They've played in so many big games that they're just outlasting and outdisciplining a Green Bay or a Detroit, right? Green Bay and Detroit are getting tight in these big moments because they're a young team. They haven't been there. And the 49ers are just holding their poise, holding their nerve doing more things right. And they're winning these close games down the stretch doing that. That's the antithesis of who they've been the entire year because they've usually just steamrolled and intimidated teams with their talent. So I can't say I'm discouraged, dude. They're winning playoff games. You can't be discouraged by that. But I'm for sure surprised because I did think after they didn't show up the way they looked in the regular season versus Green Bay, right? They won a different style of game. I thought that they would do that versus Detroit because I thought they would have advantages versus their defense. And they won a similar style game to the Green Bay game. I I like what you brought up, Ben. I'll say that I had the similar take to yours. Marco said that he was disappointed a little bit with the way that they played compared to the way that they obviously played in the regular season. To me, though, a playoff game is a playoff game. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to be discouraged if you win the playoffs because – when it comes to the playoffs, there's a different mindset where every game matters. It's not like every game doesn't matter in the regular season, but it has more sentiment, more value in the playoffs because if you lose, well, you're talking about that game in a completely different light than if you win. Whereas in the regular season, even if you lose or if you win, there are different takeaways because you have a bigger body of work that you're trying to compare You know that win or loss to in a way. And so to me in the playoffs, I think that a win is a win, regardless of whether it happens. And I also think it is a little more impressive when you win in the way the 49ers are. And of course, right. that's kind of funny because you're talking about winning in the way the 49ers have won, but obviously it, it comes with some negativity towards it given the way that they started. Like you said, though, I think the word surprised is good because I think in both games, I haven't necessarily been fully optimistic on the Niners this year. Not not saying that I didn't expect them to make the Super Bowl, but 
these past two games, I felt more optimistic than 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 normal. I, I thought that the 49ers were going to cover the spread against Green Bay. And I thought that they were going to, I didn't think they would cover against Detroit, but I thought they were going to somewhat win comfortably and kind of have control of the game at the end. And which they kind of did, right? Like, I guess they kind of did. So I guess they kind of backed or cover. Like once they dominated that third quarter, like that second half was dominant from the 49ers. They showed they're capable of doing that versus Detroit. And maybe I'm also saying that because my prediction was that they would beat Detroit pretty considerably. So I'm trying to, you know, justify <laughs> trying it. Trying to salvage it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit for sure. But no, I mean, that was kind of the thought process for me in that I thought they were going to win, you know, a little more comfortably maybe than the way that they it ultimately went, uh, ended up. But I think that a win is a win, and I'm going to take that. And like, even if the 49ers win 7-3 to three in the Super Bowl, you're going to be happy that the 49ers won seven to three rather than harp on the fact that they only scored seven points. And oh, so that's easily, kind of my thought process easily, about it. Yeah, Easily. And I do think it should give us more confidence that they won these style games coming into the Chiefs game, right? We're contrasting it to last time, right? This is the topic of the show, talking about 2019 Super Bowl. Well, the buildup to 2019 Super Bowl, right? They played a Minnesota team. And I, I don't think people remember how good that Minnesota team was now. Um, just because the 49ers beat them that badly. But that Minnesota team went into New Orleans and beat the team that we all thought in 2019 was the Niners' biggest threat, the 2019 New Orleans Saints. And they went into New Orleans and beat them in the Superdome, which was a big achievement, right? The Niners also did that earlier in the 2019 season. And they came into the Niners game. A lot of people thought they would beat the Niners. And Garoppolo, obviously, was terrific on the first drive. Terrible after that, but the Niners just out-hit and out-competed Minnesota in that game. They just beat them on sheer talent and physicality, and they outlasted them and ended up beating them considerably. That Green Bay 13-3 and team was a little overrated. It was pretty much all Rodgers and Devontae Adams. They weren't right. that good, and the Niners just stomped them and obliterated them going into the Super Bowl, right? And you had this weird mix where you had two teams coming into the Super Bowl. The Chiefs were the comeback kids, right? They had come back from the 24-0 versus Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans. And then they came back versus the Titans as well. And they had this explosive anytime, anywhere momentum running offense. And then you had the Niners who had barely thrown the ball and just out physically old school, out competed and dominated um, teams coming into the Super Bowl. And then in the closer, tighter game, it felt like the Niners were less equipped to handle that than the Chiefs, who were excellent situationally. This Niners team, to watch them in back-to-back -back games, now I know they're playing a young young team in both of those games. Like, they're playing very young, you know, very young Green Bay, one of the youngest teams we've ever seen. And then Detroit, who's also very young. But just to have the discipline and poise to be able to outlast those teams, not lose your poise when they make a mistake, right? We saw Baltimore panicked a little bit when Kansas City went up on them early. Their defense settled in, but Lamar was a little bit spooked by spag blitzing and all of that. For the Niners not to have that happen yet, not to let their season go, I think is vital. I think it's important. I think it speaks to how steady they've been all season and how consistent they've been all season because that is a question we've also had, right, Rohan? Because when you start 5-0 and and you're dominating teams, then you have a three-game losing streak, and then you go on another streak. It's hard to see, like, are you just a momentum team or do you just have the consistency of being excellent week in and week out? And I think by winning all of these kinds of games over the last two months of the season, they've proven that. I mean, this goes back to even first, you know, in – with Philadelphia being able to put up with their right. run. Then the um, Baltimore game, right? The Baltimore game, people feel like, to me, it ended after the third quarter. 
for them to be down 5-0 in the turnover discrepancy and come back and actually make that game a close game to me was important. That was a variable. It was like, oh, they were way down. They should have gotten blown out, and they still competed. They still competed, and they came back into that game. They were still there. Then you, of course, win a more similar style game versus Washington and you know the Arizonas of the world. But to see them win all these different styles, Rohan, I think is important. And I think where it's different from 2019 to go back there again is this Niners team is more capable of winning more outcomes of this particular game versus the Chiefs in 2019. Meaning that if there's if you give us 100 different game scripts for the 2019 version of the game, I would say right. 60, 70 version of those favored the Chiefs. The Niners had one or two specific ways that the game needed to go for them to win, and the game went like that for 3.3 quarters. And then the Chiefs changed the game, and the Niners didn't couldn't compete with that script. In this case, if you look at all the different game scripts, because the Niners are better than the Chiefs in a lot of areas, you would favor the Niners in a lot of different game scripts. Where it's different, though, is Kansas City has been so perfect executing in the playoffs, and they're so reliant on this, we need to get ahead, we'll run the ball with our interior defensive line and our physicality with Isaiah Pacheco. Spags will scheme up you know, key stops with his defense, right. and right, he'll spook quarterbacks. He spooked Garoppolo exactly. in the... Uh, 2019 Super Bowl and Mahomes will just be perfect and he'll make a few throws that'll make us execute and win the game. They're so reliant on playing like that. It'll be interesting to see if the Niners can start faster because if they can, I think they'll put the Chiefs out of their element. This Chiefs team is not, you know, the shootout Chiefs team. They haven't beaten they beat one team this year that scored more than 20 points and that was Buffalo in the playoffs. Yeah. I, I gave that stat yesterday but I didn't know that Buffalo scored 24. So I'm amending it and saying it correctly today. So it's a very different style Chiefs team. Niners have to be, to me, a little bit more aggressive on defense early. They have to be a little bit more, um, what's the word, creative on defense early. Like it feels like they wait to show their creativity in high leverage moments. I think the Chiefs are so reliant on getting out in teams and so reliant on Mahomes and Andy Reid executing a script. Man, it's it's so interesting to me because I feel like there's styles of this game that suit the Niners so well, but they just have to get out to me. They can't get down early. And that's the difference, right? In that you, this one feels a lot different, that the Niners have a better kind of – they have a better shot just when you compare the teams on paper and the way that they right. play. Stylistically, it seems like it favors the Niners, but the stylistic part is where the Chiefs are able to kind of go off-brand and find ways to win, obviously, if the game script can kind of favor them from the jump. Before we break this one down, though, we do have a super chat from the guy Flav. Who do you think had the mo more impressive second half, the offense or the defense? Seems like we praise the offense more, but the defense might have been even more impressive considering the Lions' weapons and the struggles in the first half. It's a good question. What do you think? So I think he has a good point that the defense isn't receiving enough credit, right? Like the defense did get key stops later in this game. Um, but I still think the offense deserves so much credit. The momentum they found, like, I think there was a point in that second yeah. half, especially when you included Purdy's running, that the 49ers offense felt back to what we were talking about in the regular season. Like it felt unstoppable. And it felt like when you were stopping it, Brock Purdy was running for 20 yards and then injecting, you know, um, what what does he inject in his veins? I don't know. The clutch gene, what is he injecting in his veins? But he I was just it is, in yeah. ice. 
he invest injecting ice in his veins. You had that going on. Like it really felt unstoppable at a certain point. And Debo and McCaffrey were really rolling. Ayuk had that incredible huge catch and then a big touchdown catch. They even got Kittle involved a little bit, and Kittle was blocking his butt off. Like the Niners felt like they had a mainstream amount of momentum. I think I don't know where you stand on this. I think Flav makes a good point about the defense maybe not getting enough credit, but yeah, I think if you talk about this one, I, I agree. I think the Niners' offense deserves more credit, but the defense also did a good job. The reason that I'm going to say that is because when you look at the way Detroit kind of played in the second half, they had opportunities. That's right. not. I, I still think that when you look at the two drives, the two key drives that kind of changed the direction of the game are the two where they drove into Niners' territory and turned it over on downs. Um, the first time I believe they got inside the Niners 30 yard line had a fourth and two. And obviously Reynolds drops Josh the ball. Reynolds the second one. It. Yeah. The second one is at the 30 and St. Brown, obviously the incompletion went there. And so but I think they had they, him open, right? Like he yeah. comes open on a big backside dig, um, but they got Niners get pressure and they rattle golf on the play. Like, and then yeah. they even, even some of their stops, right. End of the half when they make it 24, seven, instead of 28, seven on third and goal, Jameer Gibbs falls down. So it is like, like as much as I want to compliment the Niners defense, he scores a touchdown on that play if he doesn't fall down. And so there's just these little things that also went the Niners defense way. Now, when Detroit makes these mistakes, you have to capitalize. So I, I certainly wouldn't criticize the Niners defense when we're talking about, hey, we have to give. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Credit to their offense or their defense proportionately. I, I do take these things into account when I say their offense was more impressive as well. Continue my point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I mean, the the I think the point that I'll bring up is if you look at the way uh, the Niners defense played, the Lions did get into San Francisco territory on three of their five drives. It's the only thing is that they only scored one touchdown. And while it's been in a different way, usually this is kind of in the Niners MO throughout a majority of the playoffs and a bit at the end of the season in that, They've been a little bit in that bend-don't-break mentality where, sure, they'll allow some yards. They'll allow you to kind of get some opportunities, but they don't allow touchdowns. They, they That's the one thing that kind of right. – which is why it was a little bit surprising, you know, in the first half where it's three touchdowns in the first four drives for Detroit because the Niners have been right. pretty good at not only, like, stopping touchdowns in the red zone, but once you get into their territory, kind of clamping up to force them not to score touchdowns. And then converting on offense, right, was the difference right. versus Green Bay. Exactly. They scored touchdowns exactly. in the red zone. Green Bay didn't. And I mean, that's a that's a big part because when you look at the way the Niners played again in the in the second half, I mean, they they scored on five consecutive drives. And I think that uh, again, that part is just uniquely impressive. But it's something that we have seen from the Niners time and time again this season. Something that not necessarily that we expect, but we're not surprised when it happens. So. Just because of that, that's why I'm going to go with Niners offense. Yeah, for that can question. you pull up? Can you pull up this comment real quick from Matt Wattsworth? Yeah, yeah. So what I was saying, and if you go back and watch this play, so what happens in this play is Jameer Gibbs actually goes wrong, the wrong way. 
on a mm-hmm. run play. And if you watch it, Gibson doesn't come across him and strip or punch the ball. He's kind of raking across Gibbs to wrap him up, and his hand hits the ball as he's kind of wrapping up his midsection. Like he doesn't reach across, and it's not like it's not an it's not like I, he strips the ball, but it's not like he's going for the ball in that situation and going to strip the ball. He's reaching across to stop Gibbs, who already went the wrong way on the run play, and the run play is dead, and his hand hits the ball. I, I thought the replay on this was pretty good. That's how I saw it. I don't know. That's just how I saw it. Yeah, I, I mean. It was that bizarre of a take, by the way. That's why I wanted to pull it up and say it, because I think if you go watch the play, he goes the wrong way on the run play. Gibson reaches across him to impede his progress and hits the ball as he's going. And turnovers, when you talk about turnovers, fumbles are one of the most luckiest things. It's just creating your own luck. Obviously, right. you got to punch the ball out. But the way the ball bounces, who's there? Dead, right? Yeah, Arms exactly. Right who is there in the vicinity? The and like, exactly. And so that's a part of it. I mean, obviously, credit to Gibson. You, you're in the right spot at the right time, kind of in that in that situation. And I mean, obviously, your aggressiveness is going to lead you to cause that fumble. But I mean, again, it's a part of the luck and a part of the way that the 49ers were just able to move on overall. But let's go back to the the, the, the topic about the Chiefs that we were kind of pointing out earlier. You were mentioning how they kind of stifled Lamar Jackson. By, by the way, one last go thing ahead. with that real quick. My bad. Not to interrupt that. One last thing with that is when he's reaching across him too, like he reaches, he'll probably reach across him, you know, like five, six times in the game. The odds that... That one time when he's just reaching across, his hand just knocks right into the ball. Like that doesn't like typically happen on a strip play, especially when the running back goes the wrong way. So there was some discombobulation on that that caused it. I don't want to discredit the guy for forcing the fumble. Like he did force the fumble. Absolutely. But to me, it wasn't like, oh, it wasn't like, you know, the Warner forced fumble versus Dallas, which mm-hmm. is just like a insane play by the player right like he's running across he's flying over the top and he's knocking the ball out this was a little bit more of what you described where he was there right place right time and you know a play that happens in a football game five six seven eight nine ten times a guy reaching across a guy to impede his progress hits the ball like happened yeah exactly now what i was saying oh actually before i go we do got another super chat here the D did get some breaks from the Lions. The O also did, um, you know, talking about the Ayuk play, offense more impressive. Uh, talking about the topic, does the bye week help or hurt San Francisco or Kansas City? What do you think about that topic? I mean, these are the two most rested teams in the playoffs. I think it helps Kansas City a little bit because they seem to be the more banged up team right now, right? Like they lost Charles Amenehue. They lost Derek Nadi already for the year. Joe Tooney is having this situation where we're kind of, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? But he's dealing with the torn pec. And then they have older players too, right? Like Kelsey's old. Mahomes isn't old, but Chris Jones is also, nah, Chris Jones. Actually, I take that back about them having older players. Donovan, Other than Donovan Smith, Kelsey, Juwan Taylor, like it's it's similar age range actually because their defense is fairly young, about as young as the Niners. So I don't think that has anything to do. But the rest, ultimately, I think I'm gonna say that it favors. Shoot, actually, I don't know who I think it favors. What what do you think? What do you think? I actually don't I know. That's a great a question, Flay. Yeah, yeah, I think this is a good one. When you talk about who it favors, I think the major injury, the the true one major injury 
I think on both sides that has a chance to return is Joe Tooney. I think he's mm-hmm. the he's the one true guy because Farrell's uh, Clem Farrell, the main injury for San Francisco, he's out for the year. Uh, right. Derek Nadi doesn't seem like he's going to play. Omenahu he, doesn't seem like IR. he's going to play. And then Omenahu yeah, exactly. ACL, he's out for the year. So they're both gone. The only guy who really has a chance who could play is Joe Tooney, who at the moment it seems like he's probably not going to play, but you never know with the pec injury. And so right. I guess if it's not- played in this game with a pec injury <laughs> exactly five, four years ago. So I guess, you you know, in that sense, you can question things like that. But the 49ers, I mean, even though they don't have, you know, like injuries that have costed players to miss games, I mean, they have Trent Williams, who will definitely benefit from bye weeks. They'll ha- they have Christian McCaffrey, who, you know, always gets banged up, not in the sense of an injury, but he's getting hit countless times in a game. They have Debo Samuel working off that shoulder injury, who probably, you know, will definitely... Right help get help with the rest. So I think injury wise, it'd probably be pretty even. I think Tooney obviously is a huge miss for the chiefs. So I would say maybe, I don't know, actually, I think that it'd be fairly even in a way. I don't know that it's much of a difference maker in this other than what 49ers throwback put in the comments, which is that Andy Reid is lethal off of a buy. Oh my Lord. Yeah. Right. That's a, that's a pretty big one. Yeah. But, I, I, yeah, this one's going to be an intriguing one. Talking about the Chiefs. Dude, that's though, a good question, though. I'm going to have to think on that one, Flav. I think that this one's going to be one where you kind of – you'll you'll know a little more as the, the next week. You know, it, once you figure out how Tooney's kind of progressing, you'll, you'll know a little more next week because if it's pretty clear that they got help with him, kind of, I think it might tilt it in their favor. Agreed. Chiefs, though, defensively, they – I mean – they put on a show. Steve Spagnolo put on a show against the Baltimore Ravens. You talked about it a little bit earlier, but what did you kind of see in that game that you believe can translate against the 49ers? So the one thing I think that's excellent about their defense, and this existed before they had the talent that they have today, is that they're situationally excellent, right? When Spags can get you deep fourth quarter situations where the game is close, and you're having to run or you're playing against the clock, he can start getting really exotic and start blitzing. So like the Niners game, for example, they started blitzing through, they started blitzing right up their motions, right? Through the Niners motions, they would blitz right through them. And they caused a lot of confusion and discombobulation. And they caused a lot, them to check out of a lot of runs just by scaring them with the number of people in the line of scrimmage. This is what happened four years ago. So situationally, he's very good at calling a defense. Um, Versus the Chief or versus the Ravens, he went straight to the blitzing plan, right? This has been the plan a cup for a couple years. Um, they they they've been blitzed a lot. Houston did a similar kind of thing before, you know, Baltimore really settled into that game and started running the football. Houston was also blitzing the crap out of them. Um, I, I think that the the things that give Kansas City an advantage on defense versus the 49ers is obviously Spag's creativity, um, plus their personnel right Chris Jones is a tough guy to block Snead is going to be having a good I mean he's played well against every number one receiver and he takes real challenges pressing these guys and lining up on the outside McDuffie is a terrific player Justin Reed's a good safety the two linebackers Willie Gate if he plays he's dealing with neck spasms so there's another important injury and then Nick Bolton they're terrific players but I think what ultimately I like for the 49ers in this matchup on paper 
is I thought Buffalo exposed something that Baltimore never took advantage of. And that's that the Chiefs don't have the same amount of big people on their defensive line that they've had in years past. They have a better defense than they've had in the years past. But in the 2019 game, right, like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Derek Nottie, it was a mammoth Colin Saunders. It was a mammoth defensive right. line for them. They had a lot of big guys. They had a lot of big guys who took up space and were tough to move in the run game. This year, since they've lost Derek Nottie, they've, they've, they've lost kind of their interior girth to their defense. And Buffalo exposed that. Buffalo's offensive line, especially the interior of their offensive line, got progressively more physical and more dominant as the year went on. And they were able to run the football successfully with Josh Allen and James Cook on the Chiefs. Baltimore, for whatever reason, didn't take their chances in that department. And you would yeah. think that the interior of Baltimore's defense offensive line could have a similar success to Buffalo. I don't know how I feel about the trio of Banks, uh, Feliciano, and Brendel. But I do think that the 49ers, theoretically on paper, should be able to f be physically imposing. And they'll miss Charles Amenehu, who's also a good run defender to go with being a terrific pass rusher. Um, so they'll miss him too. I think the 49ers on theory, on paper, when I look at this Chiefs defense, they should be able to run the ball and they should be able to be physical and run the ball up the interior with these guys. I think that's the Chiefs' one weakness on defense. I think their secondary is excellent, especially when Gay and um, uh, Bolton play their, def their front seven is excellent. It's really, really fast. You're not going to have success blocking Chris Jones if you're going to have to block him on pass downs too many times. Right. He's just going to make too many plays. Even the Buffalo game, right? The big play Josh Allen missed on the post to Khalil Shakir over the middle of the field. He got rushed by Chris Jones' pressure. Like Chris Jones will be that guy in high leverage situations, but you can't get Chris Jones with misdirection and all of that. And they missed Derek Nottie. They missed that interior girth. So when I look at Kansas City, that to me, is the opportunity for the Niners offense in this game. That's what Buffalo took advantage of. That's what Baltimore didn't take advantage of. That's what Miami was incapable of taking advantage of. And so I expect the Niners to take advantage of it. I think that that's a good point. And I mean, when you look at the Chiefs, you're right. Uh, I think this is going to be about the trenches. And I truly believed that that was the reason the Ravens should have been favored in that game. Now, mm -hmm. again, the trenches can only be a battle if you take advantage of it. And so that's why it perplexed me that the Ravens ran the ball only three times with Gus Edwards, despite having that advantage. Buffalo, like you mentioned, they took advantage of that. And that's why they were able to have a balanced attack, you know, and create a little more, more offensively. The stat you brought up earlier in the game, or sorry, earlier in the stream, in that, in that game, Buffalo scored 24 points, which I believe is the most the Chiefs have given up in a in a win, right, this week mm -hmm. uh, or this year. I think that's the most they've given up. And so no other team that's beaten or no other team that uh, the Chiefs have beaten this year has scored more than 20 points. Exactly. Buffalo. Yeah, and so I think that that's something that the 49ers definitely have to tap into. I wonder how much they're going to, uh, you know, prioritize the inside versus outside zone uh, runs that they, they like to do. But even with a guy like Chris Jones, they found, uh, you know, even with a, a, a phenomenal interior defender, the, the 49ers have found different ways to uh, utilize concepts to run uh, in between the tackles. I right. think that they've, that's possible. They've used misdirection on Aaron Donald for years, right? The difference yeah. is Chris Jones... When the game comes down to it, he just turns into a little bit more of using his power and just being physically imposing and dominant and intimidating. So he's going to make his plays, but you're right. They can they can run the ball on a guy like that. 
Yeah, exactly. And so to me, I think this this battle is more so for the 49ers. I think they're going to run the football. I think they're going to be, uh, you know, be able to do so as well. You saw even against a tough Lions team that has been a top five run defense team statistically. McCaffrey, they, they stuck to it. Shanahan stuck to it in the second half. McCaffrey got about 60 yards in the second half, ended the game with 90. So I think they're going to run the football. I think the question about their offense is how successful are they going to be in the passing game where Steve Spagnuolo is probably going to throw a variety of mixes, not only in, in, with his blitz packaging, but a variety of mix with the way that they utilize the man, man coverage scheme versus right. zone coverage as well because the 49ers usually – are much better against man coverage compared to zone. The zone also allows you, well, really both schemes kind of allow you with your linebackers to, I'm expecting him to drop them a little bit further, trying to uh, disrupt some of those intermediate kind of concepts that the 49ers run. Yeah, and they're going to have some personnel matches. They're going to have some personnel, I don't want to call it mismatches, but they're going to have some personnel matchups that other teams won't find favorable versus the 49ers, but they'll look at and they'll think we've got a chance, right? Like right off the bat, I think they're going to put Snead on Ayuk and they're going to press Ayuk. Yeah, Snead lines up on the outside. He presses everybody who he lines up against. He gives up plays sometimes because they put him in so many tough man-to-man situations. But I think he's gonna. They're going to look at that and they're going to get into Ayuk's face and they're going to press him with Snead. And it'll be an interesting matchup. The McDuffie Juwan Jennings matchup. If that happens in the slot, I think that's interesting because I think the Niners have some advantages just with how physical Jennings is and how he uses his body and frame versus McDuffie, who, you know, wins with his insanely quick feet, his amazing footwork and his really, really good ball skills. So I think that's an interesting matchup, right? Like their team speed with their linebackers between Bolton and Gay, it's Greenlaw Warner-ish. I'm not saying they're at the same level of players, but their team speed based on their linebackers is similar It'll be interesting how they flow sideline to sideline versus Debo and McCaffrey when these guys get the ball near the perimeter. So there's a lot of things that I think come into play that's really interesting um, in terms of these matchups because there are personnel-wise, there are some advantages for the Niners in typical games that will be a lot harder versus the Chiefs because they have so many good players on their defense. Something I said about the last game, and I believe it's going to matter again in this game, albeit to a different degree, I think this game honestly hinges on Brock Purdy. Last week, I thought it hinged on Brock Purdy because the the advantage for the Niners was in the passing game. This week, I believe the 49ers are going to run the football well. But with the way Steve Spagnuolo is going to – or Sorry, two weeks from now. Because the way Steve Spagnuolo, in my opinion, is going to try and design blitzes, try and make Purdy uncomfortable, I think the one thing that's going to leave – um, that that I saw in the Ravens game that I thought Lamar Jackson didn't exploit is there are scrambling lanes. I think that that's something that Brock Purdy is going to have to take advantage of. And we saw glimpses of this throughout, you know, throughout the time he's been in 49er, but really this past game, Purdy is a gamer. He's a guy who, when the opportunity is there, he's going to just look to make a play. And I think that that, val- that trait is especially valuable in the playoffs. And that, in my opinion, is the one trait that really excelled Mahomes' game when he initially started joining into the coming into the playoffs because he just found different ways to make plays. That So when execution, which the Chiefs do at a high level in the playoffs, when execution wasn't pristine, Mahomes still found a way to make a play 
to where that execution didn't matter for a specific play. I think Purdy is going to have to figure out a way to do so against this defense. I think the opportunities are going to be there. The question is, does he try to do too much on in certain plays that allow Kansas City's defense to capitalize, or is he going to play like he played in this past game where he's kind of just going to allow the flow of the game to take him and allow him to make plays and extend plays, as he said. No, 100%. I agree with you. And I, I definitely think we're at a point where his scrambling and his athleticism isn't, oh, it's a surprise, it's an advantage, right? It's not just something, oh, we didn't know he could do that. It's, oh, he he he, he, he can do that. Like, he is an, a very good player off schedule, and he is an excellent scrambler. I agree. Real quick, I want to get to the super chat from Matt. We appreciate that. Did we miss that. his question here? It's, let's see. It seems like it, maybe it was for the earlier question that he had uh, asked. Maybe it was Matt, this oh, one, no. strangely. Yeah, go ahead. So strangely, he believes this game is going to be about coaching. Regrettably, the 49 or the Chiefs are far superior in this regard. Little confidence in Shanahan's beat Spags and zero confidence in Wilkes. Let's talk about the coaching battle. What do you think about, you know, Shanahan versus Spagnolo, Reed versus Wilkes? I'm more worried about Reed versus Wilkes already. And it's because they kind of cracked the code, it felt like, when they went up and down on the 49ers and Levi's last year. Now, it was a different Chiefs team, but it felt like that was a game that was all scheme, right? They got Bosa on a couple of neutral zone infraction penalties early. They got into his head, and then it was a mixed direction galore game. That game didn't, like, Mahomes made some plays in that game. He's Patrick Mahomes. But it, that one was more like Andy Reid just killed the 49ers more than it was just Mahomes went Superman on them last year. And so I am a little bit worried because the Niners, you know, um, start have started off so vanilla in some of these games. They've stuck to playing their quarters coverage. They've kind of lined up and played in what they've had. And when you look at the first half against Detroit, Rohan, it did feel like, hey, they cracked the code on them a little bit. Like Ben Johnson was having his way with the Niners defense. It felt like they had them in a lot of bad spots. And they finally were able to close up and, you know, get right and make some key stops, as Flav also pointed out earlier in the show. But it took some time for them to make those adjustments and for Wilkes to get to a couple of, you know, exotic calls where they had a couple of really good late rotations to confuse Goff, make him hold the ball and let their pass rush get home. I think that doing those things against the Chiefs and having it work out is a lot harder and a lot more dangerous just because they can take advantage of some things. But even more than the Reed-Wilkes matchup, I'm more afraid of personnel, right? The Chiefs, Andy Reed, especially, they have a tendency to be able to target one or two players on a defense and really go after them. And that's where I fear the Ambry Thomas situation a little bit. His confidence has been so up and down the entire season. It's been so peak valley, peak valley. And if he doesn't have his confidence in this game, I think they'll, 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 they won't let him go. Like, they'll go after him. And then Jair Brown is such a young player and, you know, he's played well at times, but he's also, you know, a young player with young eyes and all of that. And that's another one that I think that they could take advantage of. So I, I think that there's a mixture of scheme. And I know that the question was regarding the coaching and the topic was regarding coaching, but I think there is a mixture of scheme along with younger or less talented or inexperienced players being involved in situations but to me, the number one key for the 49ers coaches is they got to be aggressive in this game because I think the Chiefs have gotten comfortable in the playoffs and, and people think they've shifted a narrative. I don't think they've shifted a narrative, Rohan. I don't think they've changed who they are. I think they've just played in a way that's suitable to win with who they are. 
And I think there's a big difference in those two things. A lot of people look at how they've played, right? They beat, you know, can or Miami in a very cold game. They went into Buffalo and beat them. They went into Baltimore and then beat them. This is a different Chiefs team. It's not a different Chiefs team. It's the same Chiefs team that was struggling at points in the regular season, too. They just found how they can win with what they're suited to do right now. And for them, that's why getting the lead, the first 10, 15 plays that read scripts on offense when they have a schematic advantage, scoring then, giving Mahomes and their defense a lead to play with, like those things have been really important. So if the Niners can be aggressive, they can start fast and score on the Chiefs defense and put pressure on the Chiefs offense to score. I think that all these weaknesses that we saw earlier in the season with their weapons not being up to snuff besides Kelsey and all of that, their offensive tackles not being very good, all of those things can come back to play. I, I guess the problem is, and that's where Matt Watworth, Watsworth excuse me, kind of hits it, is that based on the last two games and how the Niners defense has started, it wouldn't give you confidence that with a team like Kansas City, okay, they're going to be in a position to run them down. I agree. And I mean, I think you're right. The battle between Wilkes and Andy Reid is more important than the battle between Shanahan and Steve Spagnuolo. Why? Because you pointed out the, the most important thing this one's going to be aggressiveness. I think Kyle Shanahan's he's at the point where he trusts Brock Purdy. He's going mm -hmm. to be aggressive in every facet of the game. And like I said, I believe the 49ers are going to be able to run the football. Remember, aggressiveness doesn't just mean throw, 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 but it means be comfortable in running the script that you want to run in order to score. The 49ers offense has looked solid enough in each of the two games. It's just there have been different blemishes in both games that have caused them to kind of start slow. Right. I mean, if you look at if you look at this past game against uh, what do you call it against the um, the Detroit Lions, the 49ers had seven points, but they had a missed field goal, which was another theme in the first game where, you know, Jake Moody had a they field had goal They had limited block. offensive possessions in both those first halves, right? Because their defense exactly. wouldn't get off the field. Exactly. And so, you know, you had a missed field goal, you had a touchdown, you had an interception, and you had a punt. And the issue is in both games, well, in this past game, I mean, Detroit, I believe, had like a 17-play drive and then a, an 11-play drive. Green Bay in the other game had multiple 10-plus play drives in the first half. Like you said, the defense just couldn't get off the field. That disrupts the flow of the offense. And then you also didn't capitalize on your scoring opportunities with two straight missed field goals in or two missed field goals in two consecutive games. And so I think that the, the the offense isn't my issue because I think the framework is there for them to do so. But the defensively, the 49ers in the second half, they've been great. They have adjusted well, they've found ways to win. The issue is the first half. They have not started off the game strong. And it's also been where, you know, it kind of drags along. It just has that sense where the, the momentum slowly shifts away as, you know, the, the Lions or the Packers, they both found ways to extend these drives. If San Francisco can get off the field early, that's the number one way to put pressure on the Chiefs. Like you said, number one way to start fast. And I think this, I want to ask you this question because I, I think it's an intriguing one. Personally, I don't believe it carries as much weight. And I think Shanahan's not going to change his philosophy. But a lot of people have suggested, why not start with the ball if you win the coin toss? Whereas the Chiefs, I feel like regardless, if they win or lose, they're going to start with the ball. I think Andy Reid's going to go. Oh, you I think, think oh, sorry. I think that they're going to start with the ball if they, because Shanahan's going to, what do you call it? I'm, I'm mixing myself up. Shanahan's going to defer. Chiefs are going to start with the ball, in my opinion, if the 49ers win the coin toss. A lot of people have said, why not start with the ball? 
So what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I'm not too bothered by that because I, I, I actually like the math of how possessions play out when you defer. So I think both teams, I, VK says it in the comments, I think the Chiefs would defer 100% too. So I, I'm not necessarily worried about that. By the way, nice initials, VK. Shout out to that. Um, so I, I, Right, it is my burner. Right, because I was literally thinking about to say that I think both teams would defer. Now, the thing that's interesting to me about them starting fast on defense in particular is the thing that I, if we're taking out the X's and O's and we're just talking from a philosophical standpoint, the thing that the Chiefs coordinators, and that's Andy Reid who calls their offense and Spags who calls their defense, has a tendency to do is they're able to control the game and they're able to control how they're able to call the game. And I, I think that that's really important, right? Because if you look at the first three playoff games for the Chiefs on offense, Andy Reid has been the antithesis of Andy Reid. They've been all about the run game. They've been all about feeding Pacheco. They've been all about controlling the clock and playing through their defense. But they've always, even though their offense hasn't scored, the reason none of us have come out here and said, oh, their offense isn't good. They're only scoring 17 points at Baltimore and 27 versus Buffalo. And, you know, only what what did they score? Like 26 in the cold weather versus Miami? Yep. It's not normal Chiefs offense. The reason we're not saying that is because their offense feels in control the entire time um when they're playing with the lead right it always feels in control they constantly feel like they're in control and the reason they feel in control is you're not putting pressure on them to score you're not putting urgency on them to score the game score is not doing that to them so there's a freeness and then their defense constantly it doesn't feel like they're ever looking for a stop it always feels like spags is one step ahead of you you're reacting to when he blitzes you're reacting to when he has an exotic coverage rotation and spooks your quarterback so it always feels like you're reacting to them. That's why I think starting fast is so important, and I don't necessarily think it's an offensive thing. If you can if you can make them react to you a little bit, you can throw off their entire game script. And now the game then comes down to who has more talented players. And, I, and frankly, Baltimore had the same advantage, which was they had a lot more talented players than the Chiefs. They could never get the game to there. The Niners have the same advantage, and I think that they just need to get to that the game to that point. It's a lot easier said than done because dictating terms to a team that executes as well as the Chiefs do, that are as well a coach as the Chiefs do, that have a quarterback as good as the Chiefs do, is it's, it's a very easy thing for me to say from my bedroom. It's not an easy thing for the people who actually have to do it um, on the football field to do. But if you can do that and you can get them on their back foot, it is a little bit like hey, everybody has a plan until they can get hit. Mike, What Mike Tyson said, like ev like the Chiefs' plan does kind of go out the window, and their plan is an advantage for them. It is important. This isn't the Chiefs that can go down 24-0 and come back because their talent is so great. This is a team that has to execute. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, if you talk about controlling the script, just look at Buffalo. I mean, Buffalo has consistently been right in the race with Kansas City, mm -hmm. yet has not been able to take control of those games. Especially Every game late. situationally, Kansas City beats them. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, it, even in this one, uh, you know, Buffalo is leading going into the fourth quarter. Buffalo mm -hmm. is leading going into halftime. Buffalo had the, you know, they have momentum. But Kansas City ultimately comes on top. It's the same strategy that they've kind of had in the last few games. They've kind of faced each other. Although they're, Buffalo, in a way, showed the script of how you have to beat Kansas City. You know, it was tough for them to run the football. But they ran the ball 25 times with their running backs. Got 101 yards off of them, but they ran the ball 25 times. Obviously, they had kind of um, – they, they kind of went for shorter, you know, more uh, – 
drives that kind of required more than 10 plays. It was a, a bit of a grind for them to score, but they ultimately did score 24 points. And it seemed like, you know, they scored while having not as many opportunities as you might expect over the course of a football game. And so I think that when you talk about it, I think that, yeah, uh, the 49ers are going to have to find a way to control the pace, which is hard. And that leads me to my final topic, which is I talked earlier about Brock Purdy's ability to scramble. I want to bring up Patrick Mahomes's because it feels like this defense is going to have to find a way to be more disciplined than they have been in the previous weeks, understanding that they also have to account for Mahomes's ability to scramble on his own and extend drives. Yeah, I think so. This is here's here's something we've been a little bit negative about the defense in general, I feel like in this show. So here's something complimentary. I think they've done a way better job of this this year than years past. When you look at how they played Jalen Hurts, how they played Kyler Murray in the second Arizona game, like when they've had an opportunity to play these scrambling pot quarterbacks, even Lamar to to a decent extent. Now that game was tough in a lot of ways. They've done a really good job of staying in their rush lanes and keeping that guy in the pocket and just having him play from the pocket. It's a very different thing doing it to Mahomes because people are like, well, if you force Mahomes not to scramble, you have an advantage. You really don't. Because he just dices you up from the pocket then. And he's really good inside of the pocket playing quarterback. Like he's truly excellent at doing that as well. But I will say that 49ers defense has done a better job of that. I, I think that, dude, I, I look at this game. Yeah, the Chiefs interior O-line is very good. And look, when I thought Joe Tooney, who's been consistently their best offensive lineman this year, didn't play. I thought the Ravens were going to have an advantage between Michael Pierce and Justin Matabuke, who was an all-pro. And they had a very good season. Their interior line with Nick Allegretti, it didn't look that different. Now, the Chiefs' tackles, who have played well in the playoffs, are not good. Juwan Taylor struggled all year. Donovan Smith struggled all year. The key for the 49ers is Nick Bosa is playing awesome football. Can you get somebody else to come with Nick Bosa? Whether it's Javon Hargrave, can you get him to step up and have a big game in the Super Bowl? Whether it's Armstead, who can find another gear. He's been good, but maybe you can find another gear with him finishing plays. And then the X factor to me is Chase Young. A lot has been made about his effort this week. A lot has been made about his play. And it's funny to me because there's been other games where I've had the had the uh, takeaway closer to what I feel like I've seen publicly to Chase Young's after the Detroit game. I didn't really have it after the Detroit game. I think there were just a couple of bad optics moments for him. But you look at the talent of him, and this is a game that lines up in his alley. You look, he should be licking his chops looking at Donovan Smith and... uh um, Juwan Taylor. Juwan Taylor. And you look at this matchup on paper, Rohan, to me, that's going to be the key. You know, Bosa is going to have a big game. Who can come with Bosa? And I look at Chase Young and I say, man, you should be licking your chops when you look at John uh, Donovan Smith and Juwan Taylor, because he can make he can make a ton of money with a huge Super Bowl against those two players. He can change the outlook of everything. Um, So I, I'm excited to see that, because if, if somebody comes with Bosa, It'll be different, but they have in terms of just rushing the quarterback and keeping him in the pocket this year, they've done a much better job of that. I think that that's a great point. I really think if I'm, if I'm just thinking off the top of my head, there's only one game where I thought the 49ers struggled with the quarterback run. That was the Bengals game against Joe Burrow. I thought Burrow had a couple of, you know, a couple of times where he escaped. He had a couple of good plays apart from that. I mean, if you look at the guys, the 49ers have played, they've played Lamar Jackson. They've played, um, who do you call it? Kyler Murray. Uh, they played Jalen Hurts. I mean, they were able to mitigate the impact of the run in all three of those games against the quarterbacks because they've done a good job. I, I think that that's a good point that you bring up this week. You're right. 
it feels like Mahomes is going to have to work or sorry next week it feels like Mahomes is going to have to work a little bit more off script just because where is the 49ers advantage when it comes to um, their defense, obviously their defensive line. You can say what you want about them performing um, certain weeks com- uh, compared to other weeks, but you have good pass rushers in Chase Young, who you you traded for to be a pass rusher. You have Nick Bosa. And then obviously in the middle, you still have a force in Javon Hargrave. I think that those guys are going to try and make life as uncomfortable as possible for Mahomes, who is a good quarterback at not taking sacks, but I think the blue He's a great is quarterback in not taking sacks. I think he's taken four sacks in his last five playoff games. And I mean, it like feels that. like it, it gets better when he goes to the playoffs. But I think the, you know, the, the blueprint of what you want to do for exactly what game it was, it might've been, um, it was either the Buffalo game or if it was, it, it was the, the Raiders game where you're trying to flush him out of the pocket, trying to have him create off script but you're doing so early in the count to where it's tough for him to create plays even as he's trying to extend the play because of the way that you're flushing him out. So I disagree with that, okay? I don't think there's – I think that we're at some point – we're at a point in his career where I don't think there's anything schematic that you can do to throw him off. He just is so good at playing zone coverage. He's just so good versus man coverage. He's so physically gifted. He makes so many magical plays, instinctive plays, let alone – playing by the book and quarterback the right way at such a high level. I don't think that there's much you can do um, to be able to affect him scheme-wise, whether it's rolling him out a certain way. But I think what you can do is you can score on offense, and you can put pressure on him to score. And that's when you can increase the frustration, because if you're playing tight, aggressive man coverage, which I think the Niners are going to have to take their chances in this game. They're going to have to look at Rashi Rice. They're going to have to look at Travis Kelsey. They're going to have to double Travis Kelsey and Take their chances with these guys in man coverage, really. Whether it's Sky Moore, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, like the Chiefs haven't gone to these guys. They have not relied on anybody not named Rashi Rice, Pacheco, or Kelsey in these playoffs, um, other than obviously Mahomes. So to me, the only way you can rattle him or affect him is, oh my God, we have to score, and I just don't have opportunities to make plays, and we need to find a way to score. I think that's the only way you can get him a little bit off kilter. I, I don't mean to discredit your point because I understand what you're saying. I just think the guy is playing at such a high level that, like, if you look at the Baltimore game, for example, like, they technically kept stopping them in the second half, right? But the Chiefs' offense never looked frustrated because they always felt ahead of the game. And it always felt like, okay, when we need – it's the Ravens' offense isn't going to score, and when we need to score, we can throw a big third-down play to Marquez Valdez-Scantling um, from Mahomes. So I don't think you can scare them or rattle them or affect their pace on offense or affect Mahomes unless he feels like he has to score and he's incapable of doing it with this group, which I think has happened this year, right? The Raiders game, he looked exceedingly frustrated. Um, The Eagles game, when they had to go back and forth with them, he looked frustrated at times. So there's been moments where this has happened with Mahomes. They're definitely missing talent. Their tackles don't block great. Like, I don't think those things have changed, man. Like, I don't think those things have changed in a month. I think those are still weaknesses with the Chiefs. It's just that nobody has gotten them in an opportunity where they can frustrate their offense and make them play off their pace. So I, I got what you're saying, but to me, it's more important that you hit them in the mouth with the other uh, on the other side of the ball than it is like you can do something to stop Mahomes. I just think he's so good at this point, man. I just think he's so I, I think good at are. everything. I understand your point, and I actually I agree to a sense, and I think that what I was trying to say – 
combines with what you're saying because the game mm-hmm. that I was specifically talking about was the Raiders game where it seemed like the it's not that Mahomes fell off of his game, but it seemed like the offense fell off of their game trying to force a ton of passes because they were down 10 at halftime. And I think right. that, that points to what we've been talking about and that you have to start fast because the 49ers, if they can go up 10 at halftime, you're going to force the Chiefs to come out of their script a little bit probably go away from the run a little bit as the game goes deeper and deeper. And that's where you're at an advantage because that's where you start using some of these pass rushers to tee off, not necessarily get to sack Mahomes, but make the offense uncomfortable, get them out of rhythm. I agree with that point. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm looking forward to this. I, cause I oh, like the 49ers chances in a lot of ways, but the chiefs are the boogeyman and Mahomes is scary. So it's funny. Yeah. This I think this one's got a different aura, completely different aura than 2019, but some of the principles are going to remain the same. A lot of them are going to remain the same. In a way, the roles are kind of reversed. You know, the, the Mahomes, it's not that he's the guy who's being doubted, but he's he might be the – I think he is the underdog, right, coming into right this now one he is, right? with, yeah. with the Niners about two-point favorites. So we'll see. Can the 49ers get their sixth, or is Mahomes going to you know play spoiler once again? Yeah, play Vish, spoiler this, to my mood too. Uh, he's gonna play spoiler to a lot of people's moods. I feel like people are already looking at you know championship parades and all that kind of thing, trying to plan things out. Would, but, would you go? Would you go back to the bay for the parade? So funny enough, I'm actually there that exact week for a week. Oh, awesome! So <laughs> I'll I'll be there um, for that exact same week, and so yeah, coincidentally, kind of aligned up. But oh, that's great. Yeah. Okay, yeah. not to be presumptuous, um, but if there is a parade, I, I really want to go. Um, I've never been to such a celebration. I think it would be awesome. I think it would be electric. I, I think it's harder when you don't identify with the city, right? Me being a 49ers fan <laughs> from another place, I think makes like just experiencing the parade more enjoyable. But I want to be there, especially because I'm salty because when the Cubs won in 2016, right, such a big deal. My parents wouldn't let me miss high school and go uh, to the parade. So, you know, I'm walking in there to like AP chemistry, my junior year of high school. It's me and the teacher, me and two other people and the teacher and everybody else went to the parade. Cause it's such a momentous thing. It was such a cool thing for the city of Chicago. Unfortunately, I had strict parents growing up. But Hey, you might have a chance in, uh, in two weeks. If, uh, right. I, I will now, now my, well, now my parents can't tell me whether <laughs> I can or cannot go to the parade. Uh, but yeah. Do you want to hit but the I, last Matt Wattsworth uh, super yes, chat and I then do. get out of here? I am hitting it out. To end today's show, Matt, we appreciate you with the second uh, second super chat for today. We appreciate you and everybody else in the comments with your questions and all of your comments. We appreciate everybody who tuned in today. This was a fun show, Vish. I mean, breaking down this game, talking a little bit about the past game and potentially, you know, some of the similarities and differences from the previous Super Bowl any last thoughts before we head on out? No, this was an awesome show. Always love doing it with you, my man. Maybe we'll be back next week, too, to preview the game. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. I think that we'll we'll definitely have a fun one. We'll see if we can link up next week. If not, guys, we appreciate you all, and we will be back soon. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.